Hey, before we hop into this episode, let's talk about why your website and digital presence isn't working. Now, I know what you're thinking, Michael, we talk all about the websites all the time. You talk about the websites, the website's a hammer, yada, 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 we get it. But for real though, it's shocking to me how much guesswork still takes place and how it's having a detrimental effect on what opportunities you are able to leverage. Now, over the last decade, especially for the OGDPBers, you know I've poured my soul into assembling a team that cares deeply about the progress of the retail auto industry, that believes in my mission to enrich and empower dealers to perpetually grow. Now I'm making my amazing marketing team accessible to the dealer playbook community so that you can start to thrive rather than merely survive. Right now, we're providing a just-for-you free website diagnostic that will show you exactly what you need to do in a priority sequence so that you can finally get the answers you need. Claim yours by visiting www.flexdealer.com forward slash website audit. That's www.flexdealer.com forward slash website dash audit. Hey gang, welcome to this episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores what it takes to create a thriving career right here in the retail auto industry. I'm your host, Michael Cirillo, excited to talk to you about how to stand out and grow in a highly competitive market. None better to join me than former NFL athlete, Chris Gronkowski. There's no question that the retail automotive industry is a highly competitive landscape. From the dealership next door to increasing demands of customers, there are many factors working against your dealership, but that doesn't mean standing out is impossible. That doesn't mean that growing your dealership business is a pipe dream. It just means that while everyone keeps doing the same old stuff, you have to do what it takes to stand up and stand out in order to create your own playing field. There are many great examples of that in our industry from Josh Cummins over at Dan Cummins Chevrolet Glenn Lundy, Alex Flores, Ali Retta, Frank Crenitti. I mean, who else we got? We got the founders of the Women in Color Automotive Network, Carrie, Patrice, Erica, and Amanda. Now, our guest today knows a thing or two about competitive landscapes. Former NFL athlete turned entrepreneur, Chris Gronkowski. His brother, by the way, just won the Super Bowl. Uh, Chris played for the Dallas Cowboys and Indianapolis Colts and now has a hit promotional product company called Ice Shaker, which uh, what they do is they create kitchen-grade stainless steel insulated bottles, kind of like swell bottles, but way, way better and, and more of a variety. And they do this for dealerships who want to offer amazing quality promotional products to their customers. Now, we've all seen the cheap stuff sitting in those showcases that just keep collecting dust. Ice Shaker products, that, look, they, this is not sponsored nothing. I just think it's a really cool product and I love mine. And so that's why I'm, I'm just throwing that in there uh, for you to be able to offer better promotional products to your customers. So I thought it would be really cool to pick Chris's brain about the parallels between professional sports and what, if any, he has found applicable to starting and growing his business. This was a super fun conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, I know a lot of people are, they, they see what they see on TV. They see the dudes out on the field. They see the, the, the steam coming out of their mouths behind the helmet. It's cold. It's game day. And they go, man, I wish I could make that guy's money. 
As my question to you is, I mean, especially being one of what, five Gronkowski brothers? Yes, sir. Middle of five. I mean, like you, you grew up in an NFL breeding farm is what it <laughs> seems like from the outside. But what are the common, what, what do you think the most common misconception people have watching from the outside to a pro athlete? Where they because they fantasize about it. What's the misconception? Where are they not connecting oh, dots? Man. There's just so many things. <laughs> you definitely hit on one of them. Um, to start off, man, definitely weren't a, I guess, not a football breeding zone, man. It, we didn't play football till high school, and um, really started just because my older brother Dan was a beast, man. He was like six six, two forty in high school, and uh, it was the coolest thing ever to see him play quarterback. So that's why I played. But um, man, misconception, kind of what you just said. You know, I wish I was making his money. Uh, I made a post on TikTok that went super viral because I listed how much money I made my, my rookie year as a starting fullback for the Cowboys. And you know, I made $305,000 that year. Um, I played in uh, almost 400 snaps. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I kind of broke it down to, um, you know, agent fees, union fees, and then taxes that I had to pay. And, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I, was, I made like 150K. And uh, the one thing that really stood out to people too was like, why'd you pay six figures in tax? I'm like, what do you mean? Why did I pay six figures of tax? You think I wanted to pay that? I mean, people pay, I don't know what it is, man. People think that NFL players are like celebrities just don't pay tax, which is just crazy to me. But, yeah. um, we all do. Uh, I think everyone does. Uh, the only way you, anyone that's rich can hide it or, or kind of, I guess, push it along is through, you know, losses or different means, um, in their business. But, uh, yeah, we, we pay a ton of tax. And the other thing that I think people, um, a huge misconception is that it's just a game. You know, this one drives me crazy, man, because it was like the most stressful three years of my life. You know, I woke up, I, I, I wouldn't even say wake up, man. I never really slept. Uh, I was probably averaging like five hours a week. Uh, every time I went to the dentist, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? They're like, well, your teeth are all grinded down. Like you need to wear a mouth guard at night because I was just so stressed out because you know, every single day was, you know, you were thinking about the play before the play the next day. And for me, I could get cut at any time. You know, people think you have these massive salaries that are guaranteed. Uh, as a rookie, um, undrafted rookie, I was never guaranteed anything. If I wasn't on the roster on a Wednesday, I wasn't getting paid. And what's funny too is even if you are a drafted player, after you get that initial signing bonus, there's nothing else guaranteeing to keep you there. Wow. Uh, you know, going into my third year, I was actually uh, I came out with my brother Rob. Uh, he was an all pro <laughs> by the time you know his second year. Uh, we're going into our third year. We were making the same money. You know, we would have wow. had the same salary, but he renegotiated, which almost never happens. And, um, you know, signed this big deal, which also another misconception, that whole deal was back ended. So, wow. uh, you know, it might've been 60 million, but, um, you know, really only 19 was guaranteed. And what they do is they back end the last couple of years with the big money. And then if you're not performing, they just let you go and they don't owe you anything. So yeah, I was going to my third year, uh, a guy like Jimmy Graham, who was with us as well. Um, you know, me and him made the same amount of money our third year. So five hundred forty thousand uh, dollars my third year in the NFL, and that just keeps going up every year. So the, the minimums go up every year, and it just makes it more and more competitive. Uh, so you just have to keep getting better and better, or you're gone. Yeah, and then we talk about how the car business is a shark tank, and what you're explaining to me, I'm like, oh, geez, I don't know if I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I have have what it takes to even think about that. Not to mention, I'm like five foot seven and a half. So I'd be running through guys legs. <laughs> hey man, there's, there's guys that size. I have one uh, on my wall right here, Darren Sproles. And I actually have a torn pec because of him. 
tackled him uh, on a kickoff coverage. He was running full speed. I clotheslined him and ended up uh, having pec surgery uh, a couple days, a couple weeks later because of that. So um, I guess size size helps, but there are some guys that are, are just very talented. But yeah, man, NFL. I mean, it gave me everything I needed. I, I can't sit here and say I won't do it over. I'll do it over all day, every day. I'll let my play, kids play. I hope they get to that level. Um, you know, it, it was definitely a blessing. It set me up for the rest of my life. It taught me so many lessons. So I, I can't sit here and say it was all bad. I'm just saying that it's definitely not as easy as people think it is. Right. And 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 the the fluff of like, man, if I could just be a pro athlete. And then listening to you talk, I was listening to a podcast. Um, and Blake Griffin was the the guest, and he was given he was basically outlining what every day looked like during the season. Yep, and it was this like my bowels quivered. I was like, no, no, I ain't doing that because it's nonstop, no sleep, constant stress, have to perform, have to show up, have to work through it, grinding the teeth like you're talking about, eating, yeah. you know, eating twigs and protein and exercising <laughs> 74 times a day. And I just thought, whoa, this is the part of it that nobody ever sees. Do you think, you know, to your point about, I would go back and do it every day. Is that, did that set you up for starting your business and doing what you're doing now with ice shaker? Oh, absolutely, man. I, I pulled so many life lessons out of it that, you know, it, it just got me ready to be an entrepreneur. It was pretty much the same thing, but now I was running my own team instead of being a part of a team. But, you know, the long days, the grind, I mean, everything's on you. If you perform, if you do the work, you know, you have success. And man, the, the number one thing that you really learn and, and that I did a terrible job with was just really building that culture and team atmosphere. Um, I, I think I just was so competitive. And, and when you start your own business, it's kind of like your baby, right? And you don't want to give up any of it. So you try to do everything from marketing to sourcing product, answering right. emails. Uh, man, I did it all. Uh, you know, setting out product, I was engraving it. And uh, you know, it just stopped us from growing at the end of the day. And I just wasn't good at delegating because I, I just didn't think anyone else could do it as good as me. And once my kids came along, um, things slowed down really quick. I couldn't work 80 to 100 hours anymore a week. Right. And um, I had to figure things out. And, and that's when I really saw the picture. I'm like, man, you know, teams win championships because of every player in the team, you know, doing their own job and doing it the right way. And when you look at a football team, it's a head coach and then you, you got your assistants and you have the players and everyone's got to play and, and everyone's got to do their job and do their part. And I finally saw that, that vision and started doing that with the business. And I was, I was ashamed that it took me so long, but that's really what took us to that next level. Yeah. I think in my journey as an entrepreneur, Everything you're saying resonates. I, I'm thinking it brought me right back to starting my business. We've been going about 20 years now, just shy of. But I think about those moments where I was the designer, the marketer, the salesperson, the tech support person, the manager, the this, the that, and how frightening it was to, A, get to a point where I, had, I knew I had to bring people on the team to alleviate some of this, and how bad I was. Like I went through this phase of I'm the boss, the trans, our relationship is you do the job. I sign your paycheck end of transaction. And I realized how awful of a, like I turned through, I went through people turnover like crazy because I, and I would sit here, I'd go like, I'd sit to my wife, like, what is going on? How come these, I, you can't find good help anymore. So I want to ask you this in correspondence to 
you obviously made it to the NFL because you already had proved yourself to a degree, right? In business, people are coming with so many different varying levels of experience, skill set, aptitude. Do you find there's a difference between how you have to coach in a business setting versus, say, in a, in a professional athletic situation? Yeah, for sure. And because, uh, I mean, the thing I see with sports is that everyone has the same goal, the same mission. You know, you're there to win a game, right? In business, it's not like that at all. You know, people are there to make a paycheck. And you know, a lot of times it's to do it in the easiest fashion possible, right? Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was that was big. Um, I had to find ways to keep people responsible and also, uh, you know, motivate them. And that was hard. So I hate being the guy that's just, you know, the dick that's sitting there like, Hey man, like you sucked and like doing performance reports and all that stuff. Like, that's just not what I wanted to do. Right. Uh, so I found ways to, to put you know, everyone's bonuses and, and put everyone together as a team. So that at the end of the day, Hey, if you want to take off for a week or, or two weeks or whatever you want to do, if you don't, if you don't want to work hard this month, whatever it is, that's fine. But you know, your bonus is dependent on it. And so is everyone else's on the team as well. So, Hey, if you don't want to show up, I'm not the one that's going to be yelling at you. It's going to be everyone else on the team that you're screwing over. So uh, once I put that structure in place, it was like the greatest day of my life. And it really brought entrepreneurship, um, you know, just back in the light that I, I enjoyed because I just hate being that guy. That's just, you know, constantly yelling at people. Yeah, man. And you know what my vain ambition was in asking that question? because, um, you know, we've had so many different people, business titans, celebrity, you know, I've never had an, a, a professional athlete on my show yet. And everybody in the business world, I mean, here's the go-to. Even back when I, I remember as a teenager working at somewhere like Best Buy or, or something, what do they do to pump up the team? They show you that last scene in Rudy and everybody, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And business is like sports and you think a sports team would be, be, be. and now I've got a pro athlete sitting in front of me being like, no, 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 no. It's, it's a lot different running a business than it is playing on a sports team. Completely different culture. I mean, in the locker room, you don't have to tell people they're, you know, you're, you're trying to win a game. I mean, everyone's there for that reason where it's just so much harder in business to build that same culture. Yeah. And you're playing an infinite game, right? Like your, your game doesn't end at the end of the day, you're coming up back and picking up the same game tomorrow. Yeah. And you always want it to get better too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's totally. no real championship. It's always, it's always ongoing. Yeah, it's the never ending championship. This would be like uh, the last dance on Netflix. If it never ended. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's it is. So, a lot of people struggle because they get into very competitive <clears throat> niches and they go, and, and there's a lot of business experts that go, oh man, that, that market is already saturated. What, what, what led you to getting into developing ice shaker as a business and, you know, releasing the products that you're, you're releasing and what we could argue is a very competitive saturated market. Yeah, man. Um, I, I was very ignorant. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, and I think it's a good thing for entrepreneurs to just not know what you're getting into because if you knew how hard it would be, you wouldn't start it. You know, you would just say, "Hey, you know, if I know it's going to take me five years to grow this to a point where I'm finally making money or you know whatever it is, then they're probably not going to do it." So, um, man, I was young. Um, you know, I had a lot of pride, and 
I, I saw it as really just uh, at that time, it really was something no one else was really doing. Um, I wanted it for myself. I, I created the product for myself and I was super passionate about being in the health and fitness space. So, uh, man, I was at the gym and my plastic bottle, the same plastic bottle that had been around for 20 years, which just, it was sweating everywhere. I took a sip. It smelled awful. And really the game plan at that time was to just go home and get an insulated bottle that I could actually mix stuff with. And I figured I'd jump on Amazon and find one. And there was just nothing out there. It was like the simplest idea that no one had wow. done yet. And I'm sitting there like, no, no way. And there was a ton of like the technology was there. There's a ton of insulated bottles out there, but you know, they all had these little tiny holes. You had to use a funnel to fill it. There's nothing to break up the powders. And it was just something I wanted for myself that I could use all day, every day. Like I didn't want the bottle just for the gym. I wanted to bring it to work, bring it to the gym, sit on the couch and use it, bring it, you know, on the airplane, bring it by the pool. I just wanted one bottle, man, because that's how I am. Just simple. You know, I don't want five bottles in the sink. I don't want to have to run the dishwasher all day. Yep. Just give me one bottle I could use all day. I'll put everything in it. I don't care. You know? And, um, that was the goal, man. It started just as a product I wanted for myself. Dang that. See, now you got me. This is how you sell, by the way, you sense the passion DPB gang. It's like, man, <laughs> I, I saw a need. That's not to suggest there weren't problems that he had to solve along the way, but he found a need and he went for it. And so I want to ask you, cause my wife is huge into fitness. I don't know if you've heard of this new craze. It's high fitness. It's like an aerobic type dancey. I can't even, I don't even, I can't do it justice. My wife keeps trying to get me to do it. And I'm like, it will have to be weekend at Bernie's because I'll be the dead guy dancing the move music before you see me doing any of these moves. But but she she's huge into this and um, she's always looking for the best thing. So I know I, I definitely got to show her um, the product. But But you have this idea. You identify a need. A lot of people, I think, struggle with that next step. I mean, we're hearing it on Clubhouse. People are coming to the stage to ask their questions and it's. So I just don't know what my next step should be. I don't know how, I don't know what, I don't know who, I don't know. So you go, okay, I identify a need. What's the next step? How do you break through? How does, how does Chris Gronkowski break through to that next step and identifying how to get this thing made or patented or developed or prototype? Like what, what, what's your process? Yeah, man, that that's the hardest step by far because <clears throat> you know, you don't know what to do and you, most people don't have the money to do it either. Uh, I was super lucky. My wife started a business when I was still playing in the NFL. And um, I went into that for my first five years after I left. So uh, she was sourcing product. It was a personalization company and she was already sourcing product. We built it out. Um, the, the one thing that I didn't really learn from it was really how to build a brand. I mean, this this company exploded on its own. Um, I ended up making more money my first year out of the NFL than I was playing wow. uh, with my wife's company. And it was all because we we found products that had really high margin, and then we did a really good job of of just turning them fast. So at that time, the personalization market was like you know a week or two weeks to get anything. So we came in and just said, hey, let's let's source our own product because everyone's using the same stuff. Let's make it ours. Let's put our brand on it, and then let's turn it same day. You know, if someone orders a gift for Father's Day, let's send it to them the same day they order it. You know, let's see if we can do that. And and we started to, and it just organically exploded because. No one's ever seen anything like that. It's kind of the Amazon effect before Amazon really became the, you know, two day shipping master. Um, you know, this was 2012 and we were on Etsy and it just, just exploded. So I did have a, a decent amount of knowledge of sourcing product and, and getting product made because of my wife's business. And then we used our same suppliers uh, to start making us prototypes for this bottle. 
Uh, so at that point, um, it's still, you, you think it's simple. Uh, I pretty much took a bottle um, that was already made and I put a second layer on it and then we vacuum insulated it and then we put a shaker top on it. And it sounds pretty easy, but it was like 20 prototypes later. Um, wow. The hardest part was the fact that you know, you're trying to seal a metal cup. And when you try to seal a metal cup, it leaks a lot. And as I read online, there was other metal bottles out there, but they weren't insulated. And the biggest issue with them was, you know, they won't keep your drink cold. It actually like freeze your hand when you put ice in it. But the other biggest issue was, um, you know, that they would leak. So I just, with a shaker bottle, I'm like, this thing cannot leak. There's one thing that I, I hate about a shaker bottle is when it leaks. So it, we tried every seal, inside out seals, like everything you could possibly test, uh, the hardness of the seal, the type of of rubber we were using. And um, it's like 20 prototypes later, we finally thought we had this amazing product. And um, I ordered 10,000 of them. I, I ended up storing them in my house in this room that I'm in right now. I had to bring every box up, which weighed about 70 pounds and carry them up the stairs. And uh, we got them up here and I, and I, and I, I tested bottles like crazy, right? Like I've been shaking bottles for You're months. throwing them down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I swear I like these massive forums. I've been shaking bottles for probably like three months, seeing if they leak or not. And we're like, yeah, we finally got it. So I bring them up here. I open up like the first five bottles and, and I test them. They're perfect. And the sixth bottle I take out and I fill it with water. I hold it upside down and the whole thing just starts dripping on the floor. And I'm like, no freaking way. So uh, ended up testing like a hundred that night and uh, realized that every other bottle leaked. Uh, the, the pop tops were made in, in, in seg like two parts. So like they made two at a time and for whatever reason that the one wasn't sealing and uh, out of all the prototypes we got, this was never a problem. So to start the business, um, I had to then reorder or, or get them to pay for another 10,000 lids to ship to me. And I had to go through each and every bottle and replace the lids. Oh, and uh, man, it, it, when you talk about passion, you know, if, if I didn't have the passion for the product and the idea, it, it was as simple as just selling them out and getting out of it, man because it was a nightmare. And, um, I just loved it though. You know, I just love the fact that I could go to the gym and pretend I'm working and it was the greatest thing ever to me. So I just kept pushing through it and just kept trying to find ways to get the product out there and make it better. Yeah. Now for those watching, you've probably seen me looking away. Maybe even Chris is wondering, why is he looking away from the screen right now? This is awful podcast etiquette. It's because I just bought two 26 ounce flex bottles. <laughs> your website. Okay. Now you can keep looking away then. <laughs> yeah, man. That that's my jam right now. 26 ounce. Yes, sir. Holy gee. That is the that is the cup to end all bottles right there, man. Holy. And you got co now here's the real question. What color do you think I bought? Yeah, man. Uh, there's too many. I don't even know at this point anymore. <laughs> I don't even know half the colors. You know where my brain's going though, Chris, on this? I want to see a 26 ounce flex box. So I am a proud F-150 owner. Me too. Me too. All right. Hey, hey there you go. Well, um, I, I would love to see this. That If I walked into my dealership, because you know, they all sell stuff like this. I would love to see this 26 ounce flex bottle on the shelf instead of that cheap, weird looking one that they always have there. Like we, we got to figure out something, Chris, where we get we get ice shakers to start replacing some of these weird alley AliExpress purchased <laughs> yeah. tumblers that they I'm with you, man. And, um, you know, it, it's fun. We do, we do sell to a decent amount of car dealerships. And, um, it's funny because, you know, they go and get like super cheap stuff. Right. 
and everyone kind of shies away. And we've had this problem since day one because plastic shaker bottles are free, right? And, um, you know, and it's, it's kind of tough to pay for something that's a lot more expensive, but you're paying for quality and you're also paying for a brand that people post about. They love our story. It's the only cup you're going to give away for free where people are going to go on Instagram and take a picture and tag the hell out of it and be like, I can't believe my dealership gave me this cup because there's a cool store. I saw it on Shark Tank. I love the Gorkowski Brothers. Whatever it is, right. they get excited about it. And that's just free branding. They bring it everywhere they go. They're going to bring it on the airplane. They're going to use it at the gym. They're going to use it at work. And people are actually going to see it instead of using something like I see some of the dealerships uh, like give out a pen. I'm like, come on, man. You're giving me a pen. No one's ever going to see this pen ever again. I know it's a nice pen, but come on, man. It's not helping you with marketing. Yeah. That's insane too. So, so you, you sat down and you consciously made the decision of this is part of my marketing budget. I know. Yeah. Great. It's an expense, but we know that we will have free advertising, like lifetime value, free advertising by the people that we give these things to, because they're going to be so excited about it. Absolutely. We do this a ton with uh, like sponsoring events and stuff too, where we try almost never to use, um, you know, or actually to pay for events. We always try to use product instead. And we're able to personalize each and every bottle. Uh, it's pretty cool because with my wife's personalization in, uh, business, I did that for five years. So I know how to turn product and I know how to turn it fast with custom logos. So uh, we use that to our advantage. It's grown the company tremendously because we can hit every single industry by offering this this personalization. And it could be anything from a logo to, you know, we'll, we'll be used as trophies, um, mm. you know, employee gifts, really anything you could think of, we can do and, and put it on a bottle. So it's been a pretty cool thing to see. Dang, we need to get some DPB everything. Skinny day, mini man. steel tumbler. We got to get some of these stemless <laughs> wine tumblers. Got it all. How did you, I'm seeing like the, the, uh, the small style bottles. I don't know that they can really <laughs> yeah. take that, the credit for that design, but, but did you, what was the flagship? Like, did you start with just one? Cause I, I feel like sometimes people are like, I got this idea. I'm going to go wide as quickly as I possibly can. What, how did that play out for you? Yeah. So we had one bottle, one color when we aired on shark tank and it was uh, the 26 ounce shaker bottle. And that's really, that's the flagship product. That's what separates us. That's what patented, uh, you know, it has the twist and agitator that will break up powders. It will also strain, um, you know, the ice out. So you can, you know, you can party with the two and pour shots if you want to, but, um, that is, that is us. Like that is when you think about ice shaker, you think about you know, the shaker bottle. Um, so that was what we started with. And then just, just by listening to our customers and, and seeing who our customers were, we then branched out from there. So we realized really quickly that it was mostly females buying the product, even though it was a male product and they were buying for their husbands, kids, grandkids. So we came in right away with a line of uh, the skinny tumblers geared more towards females. And we noticed right away that, you know, our customers just kept buying them. And then it was a thing where instead of buying one, they were buying one for their husband, uh, kids or grandkids, but also buying for themselves as well. So it was all just, um, we grew the line of the products by listening to our customers. Man, I love that. It, it It's such a foundational thing that I've noticed as a pattern amongst successful entrepreneurs, we paid attention to our customers. There's, you, you know how many people, I'm sure you see it too, that where they're like, no, but this was meant for the male audience. Yeah. And they get pissed that, you know, women are buying this thing. Dude, shut up. Take the money. <laughs> like take the freaking money. We, we saw this recently too. We were running an ad campaign for one of our clients. We have an agency. Um, and 
he goes, I said, well, who's the ideal client? And he's telling me this, that, and the next thing. And we went simply into his Facebook data to see who was following his page. And 90% of the engagement was from a female audience. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I said, bro, you got to run an ad. We got to shift the creative. We got to pump this thing out and sure, it just traffic, tons and tons of traffic and sales for pennies on the dollar. It was insane. It was insane just by simply paying attention. And I think people, do you think people's ego gets in the way? Like is, is ego the enemy here? So, uh, I mean, I did the same thing. So when I created the product, we went and when we started running ads, we were running it towards a guy that was my age that went to the gym and it didn't do that well. And really, um, I, that's exactly how I actually found out my demographics was, you know, we ran a bunch of ads and then back then, uh, you know, Facebook told you everything. So you could take all your sales, uh, your emails, you could put it back into Facebook and it would tell you who your audience was. It would break it down to what car they drove, how much money they made, uh, how many kids were in their household, uh, education levels, all that. So, you know, all that's now um, banned. You know, you can't see that anymore. But back then, that was when I first started the business. That was gold, man, because I didn't know. And um, it, it, it was definitely ego that I thought like, hey, only males are going to be using this that are my age, that are jacked. They go to the gym, right. they try to get swole and, uh, you know, found out really quickly that that wasn't the case. And I, I you know, we, we quickly switched it and, um, you know, opened up our targeting to everyone at that point and just said, Hey, let's figure out who our actual audience is. And even though that data is not as readily available on Facebook now, you can still find it by, you know, really looking at your, your stat. Not, I guess it's not, it doesn't pull it all into stats anymore, but you can look at delivery and see who's being delivered to and, and how they're reacting to it. So we still use that. Um, it's not as efficient as Facebook used to be, but it's a, definitely a great source of information still. What was the step? Cause I love your, um, I love your checkout process. And I mean, a lot of, this is a conversation that car dealers have all the time. They're, you know, how do we improve our website experience? Um, you know, and we're constantly looking at e-com, but traditionally we always look at the Amazons and stuff like that of the world, which if you ask me, I'm going to go to, Amazon for the fact that they have inventory and I can get it tomorrow, you know? Yep. But their website, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, me, eh, it's that, but I look at your website, it's clean. It's simple. You're, you're not telling me 87,000 things about the product yet. You're, you're able to build desire around it very quickly. Uh, and then you go to just a quick checkout. And I notice when I go to add to cart, you've got this very strategic, you may also like these. Oh yeah. <laughs> but then you've also like, I mean, if we're being honest, you know, 114 bucks is in my cart right now. I'm not going to think twice about it, but you've added in this afterpay concept, like the ability for people to finance this thing. It says, or for interest-free installments of 2874. Did you guys go into building your website with this concept? Did you, how did you go about this? Did you know that these were things you needed to do? Was there somebody you brought in to help you understand that? What, what was the philosophy around this, the way you're getting people to move essentially through an upsell process right at checkout? Yeah, it's, um, this website has been built by myself, man. Uh, and it's went through a lot of phases and, um, actually was on a call yesterday for a couple hours on how we're going to completely redo it. Um, and, and make it better. But uh, that's definitely staying. Uh, that part of the, the site is staying. And uh, there's, man, it's, it's, it's t like a, a website is, it, it's crazy because you could do heat mapping, you could do all kinds of different things to try to predict the flow and, and drive customers certain directions. But 
know, there's so much that you want them to know, but you know, overloading it is hard. So, um, man, it's really, for me, uh, we brought in professionals to test it in, in AB tests, all kind of landing pages. And at the end of the day, um, sometimes simplicity works better. Uh, so you know, letting them get through, but then also just kind of briefly letting them know there's a couple other products it has, has done really well for us. So, uh, man, you could AB test all day and you'll get a different result for everything. And it drives you insane. But, um, yeah, man, this, the site you're looking at is pretty much all built by myself, which is insane. And, um, <laughs> it's, it, it can definitely be better. Um, and we're, we're going through that process with an actual developer. Cause I just, I feel like it needs to be super, super clean. And throughout the whole process, you just want to, you want to hit as many upsells as you possibly can. So, We'll work through that. Uh, speed is always a huge issue. And, and when you build your own site and you have no clue what you're doing, uh, speed becomes a problem because you just keep adding apps after apps after apps. So uh, I'm excited to redo it. It'll be about a three month build out. Yeah. But uh, I have to come back on and show you why I did um, all the things that I did, because it's a pretty, um, a pretty cool process now that I have the information and I know what to do. And it's now just finding a developer that can put it all in seamlessly without there any glitches. I might know a developer. Uh, <laughs> that that would be cool, man, to do a screen share and just walk through your e-com model and just like see see why you chose to make decisions. Because you're right, it's it's this balancing act where as a business owner that's pushing inventory, I want to sell everything I have or at least give them the opportunity to see it right when they're ready to pull out their wallet. But then there's the other side of it where you say, well, if I did do that, then they might not buy the actual product they added to their cart. So that's super interesting stuff. Man, NFLer turned serial entrepreneur slash leader slash culture builder. This was such a fun conversation, man. I definitely, I would love to have a conversation with you again in the future about all of this stuff and just where the company's going and everything you've discovered because it's so valuable. I think sometimes, you know, when we're, when we're in, in the weeds, it's very easy to kind of put the blinders on and not see what's happening out there and get perspectives from so many different, um, you know, verticals. But this one is particularly interesting to me just because of how saturated it is, but how effectively you've been able to, you know, carve out your slice and build something here is really tremendous. Yeah, man, it's been fun. It's, it's a grind, man, for sure. But I think we have a really cool model. Um, we work with a lot of really cool partners and it's all about speed, um, efficiency and having a great product. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Our biggest separator is the fact that you can hit us up today and say, Hey, I want my logo on a bottle and today's Tuesday and I could get it to you by Friday. No problem for an wow. event. And people just that kind of service, that kind of ease where you're just literally sending over your logo you know, within an hour, I'm sending back proofs. You're just saying, Hey, I want, you know, 25 of these and boom, Know, I'm sending you an email where you could pay with credit card and then you're getting it three days later. People just wow. react to that and they appreciate it. And, and that's really what the business model with my wife's business has been as well. And realize that works. Um, and, and that's something that organically spreads to and, and people really appreciate. How scalable is this? Because we talked about dealerships and by the way, DPB gang, you got to be checking this out. If you're seeing what I'm seeing, there's a huge <laughs> opportunity here for branding, for a product there. Hey, you want my magnet? No, I don't want your freaking magnet. You want a bottle that I'm going to use literally all day, every day? Yes, I do. Right. 
But wh- how scalable is this for the personal brand? The I call them automotivepreneurs, the car sales professional who's put himself out there. Is he? Do they have the opportunity to hit up Ice Shaker and say, "I want something with my personal brand on it," or is that is this more of an enterprise solution? No, we we do it for everyone. So um, I don't know if you ever if you check out my social. Every once in a while, when it's kind of a down month, I'll get on there. I'll do a whole video of like, "Hey, this is the whole process. This is me making a cool. you know, a 3D image so I can laser it on a bottle." Hit me up, send me your logo. Uh, no MOQs. Let's do it. So. You know, I, I did that leading up to um, you know November. We had a huge crew in there, and we were just cranking, man. And we were we were slammed, but everyone was loving it. And you know, bonus season was coming up, so like, all right, let's keep, let's keep it going. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I we have everyone from uh, you know some people just make their own logos as personal trainers, and you know they hit them, they shoot them over, and we love doing just one. You know, one, it's not the greatest for us. We don't make a lot of money, but people get super excited about it and they show everyone. So it always leads to more. And yeah, with that, I'm always willing to do it. There he is, man. Chris Gronkowski playing the long game. Thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.